0: well i want to talk this morning um, about something that the lord laid on my heart it's both for the graduates and for this church amen and i believe it is a very prophetic word all right and it's a word from the lord so i'm listening just like you're listening because this word is not something that i just sat at the desk or sat on the couch and sort of found some scriptures and wrote down some points Amen. This is one that God impressed upon my heart for this church and for both of you. Uh, As I always say, it's not a very long word, but we'll see what the Lord does. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. I really believe that today is a symbolic day for both of you and for many of you. There are things that many of you have gone through, and God wants to speak to you about that this morning. There are many things that many of you are continuing to go through. And God wants to talk to you about that. You see, God doesn't tempt us as the enemy tempts us. But God will take us through some tests. God will test you from time to time, will he not? And many of you in here are a lot like Abraham. Where God asked you to do something... And it didn't quite make sense to you. And in your heart, you may have even said, I'm not sure about this thing. It caused you to question, to say, is this really God speaking to me? Is this the enemy? Is it my flesh? But deep down, you knew it was the Lord speaking to you. And so like Abraham, you went ahead to do what God told you to do. And God said, you've passed the test. Many of you this morning are like Jonah, who God asked you to do something and you questioned God. In fact, you told God, I'm not going to do it. God had to have your circumstances swallow you up. Because at the end of the day, what God requests, God gets. Amen? But the good news is, David and Adam, that your circumstances, because of what God put in you, could not hold you. Your circumstances had to let you go. Come on, somebody. Your circumstances had to spew you out. Because this thing that God has in you, your circumstances can't even hold. I don't care what circumstances come and try to box you in, even if you put yourself there. Come on, somebody. They have to spew you out. Many of you are like Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, where something comes in your life and you just can't believe it. What is this thing that's going on? And you make plans to do something different. But then God comes to you and says, no, don't do anything different. This is my plan. It may be unconventional. It might not be what you're used to. It might not be what you think was going to happen, what you thought was going to happen. But I'm telling you right now, this is my plan. Go with it. And so you go with it. Some of you this morning are like Peter. You've done all the things that God has asked you to do. You've been through ups and downs with the Lord. There have been things He's asked you to do where you've been disobedient. There have been things He's asked you to do where you've been obedient. You've talked back to Him. He's rebuked you. He's encouraged you. He's done miracles in your presence, in and through you. He's taught you, and you've been by His side the whole time. And then all of a sudden you look around and you see that others are getting recognized for things. Maybe they haven't even been with the Lord that long. God's raising them up into positions. People are recognizing them. And you go to the Lord and God says, "Listen. Your trials are not over. Because of my name's sake, You are going to suffer many things. And you turn to the Lord and you say, well, what about this one? And God says, well, if I want that one to remain until I come back, what is that to you? And finally, you get it. You say, well, I just must keep going with the Lord because what God has asked me to do, he's asked me to do. And I must accomplish that thing. God wants you to know this morning that you've passed your test. You've passed your test, and he's ready to take you to a new level. He's ready to open a door and and to empower you to walk through this door to a new thing. He's telling you that you have passed the test. Isn't that good news? So often we hear that we're in a test. You're in the oven, Lord. Just in, you know, he's telling you, you're in the oven. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy baking in the oven until I'm through with you. And you've got to hold on to his unchanging hand as you go through the test. Well, this morning, the word of the Lord is that you have passed the test. You have graduated, and you're ready to go to the next level. You're ready to go to the next level. Come on. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Revelation. I want to talk this morning from the subject, all things made new. All things new. Revelation chapter 21. God began to prophesy, and I believe he's prophesying to us this morning. He's prophesying to these two graduates up here. He's prophesying to this congregation and he's prophesying to you this morning. Word of the Lord came to John and said this. He said, Now I see a new heaven, in verse 1, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And there was no more sea. Then I... John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now very often what the Lord will do, David and Adam, is he will open the curtain to life and he'll let us see way ahead and he'll give us a glimpse of the future. Just like he did for us here in in Revelation. He's giving us a glimpse of the future. He's telling you what you will be. He's telling you what the end game will be. He's telling you he's going to raise you up to a great place. And then you know what he does? He closes the curtain back. And now you have to walk through to get to that place. God is a God that loves to do new things. He loves to make things new. God is a God who sometimes loves us to hit the reset button and start over again. I don't know if you remember, but I've talked before about God is a God who never gives us a third chance. Because after he's given us a second chance, he forgets about everything else. And now you're on your first chance all over again. Now, that doesn't absolve us of responsibility. That doesn't absolve us of circumstances and consequences, of course. Should we sin, Brother Chris? God forbid, Paul said. God forbid. No. For godly sorrow brings repentance. However, we have an advocate with the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is forever our counselor for us, covering our sin. He is forever our counselor. He is the blemished and spotted lamb. He was clean, but he was killed. His blood ran out for us. And now we can come into the presence of the Father. God loves to do a new thing. He loves it when we come to Him and say, Lord, I can't do this thing. I've tried to do it my own way, but I just can't do it. And He says, okay, now, finally, you're getting it. You're understanding that you can't do anything without me. Now, come to me, because I have everything that you need. I have the power that it takes To accomplish what I've called you to do. I have the finances that it takes. I have the forgiveness and the love that it takes. I have the endurance to put in you that it takes. Come into my presence, he's telling you. And I will cause you to accomplish everything that I have set before you. Well, God gives us a glimpse of the future... But even in our travel saints, God loves to do new things. Turn over to the book of Isaiah, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Even in our walk with the Lord, He continues to do a new thing in our presence. Oftentimes, we walk with the Lord, and in life, we feel that things get stale. Maybe in your relationship with your spouse, maybe on your job. Even at church, sometimes we feel like things get stale. And I have one thing to say to that type of statement. The only reason things are ever stale is because you make them stale. We allow them to get stale. I can tell you, if you follow the Lord and are obedient to him, things will never be stale. Because God is not a stale God. God loves to do new things. He loves to open up new doors where there are no doors. In a dark place, he loves to open up a door and bring in light. In a desert place, he loves to bring up grass and vegetation where no one else could plant seed. Come on, somebody. Isaiah 43. Looking at verse 16. Thus says the Lord. Now listen to this who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and the horse the army and the power they shall lie down and they shall not rise they are extinguished they are quenched like a wick Now listen to what God is telling you this morning. Remember, this is a prophetic word this morning. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. He said, now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is speaking to us this morning, saints. And he's telling us that he is about to do a new thing. And the thing that got me with that verse of scripture that we just read was that next statement when he said, shall you know it? Because many of us think we know When we hear the Lord's going to do a new thing, we say, oh, yeah, I thought he was going to, you know, do that. I figured, you know, we would, you know, change this or change that. But God is telling you this morning, shall you know it? In other words, you don't know what I'm going to do. But it's going to be a new thing. And we heard the word of the Lord this morning through the two sisters. It said, listen, you got to be able to step out if you want to go deeper. There's, there's, there's moments when God will bring open that curtain and he'll give us a glimpse of the future. But every step you take, you can't expect the curtain to be open to see where you're stepping. Come on now. And that can make some of us fearful. But just like David said, listen, I remember when I slew the bear. I remember when I slew the lion. I've done those things. But guess what? I'm putting those things aside. There's a whole new giant here now. Only, the only thing I remember from those things is that God brought me through it. Doesn't matter what it was. All I need to know is God brought me through it. And if he'll bring me through that, he'll bring me through this. Victoriously. He's telling you this morning that you are victorious. Victorious. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody here sometimes feel like you're in a dry place in your life? Feel like you're in a desert place? God said that I am the God that makes a river in a dry place. God loves to bring a river right through a dry place. Come on. You ever felt like you were drowning? They ever felt like things were, there were so many circumstances uh, uh, around you? You know, my wife's pregnant. I've got this one master. I'm trying to go for this other master's. I got, now I'm going to IUPUI. Everybody's expecting me to live up to all of these standards because I got this scholarship and I got all these uh, honor society and double honor society and triple honor society. I got all these things on me. Now, my dad and mom are expecting me to live up to these things. How am I going to provide for my family when I'm trying to go to school? It's just too much. But I want to tell you this morning that God said, listen, I make a way in the sea. I open it up so that you can walk right through it. Everything around you. But the path before you is dry. I'll raise it up. And when the enemy comes in, Like a flood, I raise a standard against him. You will be victorious. By the way, that thing hit me about when God said, I'll make rivers in a dry place. You know, one of the things I think about when I think about rivers in a dry place is usually everywhere I see water, I see life. Now, scientists will argue with you that it doesn't take water necessarily to have life. That may be true. There may be some places where there's some amoeba. I mean, you guys are well-educated uh, or, or some type of life, some form of life or, that doesn't need water. But here's what I can tell you is when I do see water, I usually see life. Where there is water, there is life. And so it's just more than water that's coming through that thing. God said, I am bringing life to a dead situation. When you think your situation is dead, come on. Somebody in here thinks their situation is dead this morning. But God is speaking to you, telling you that I am bringing a river right through that thing and life is about to spring up all around you. Come on, vegetation, fruit, life, sustenance. It's about to spring up all around you. And I want to tell you something this morning. This is what God is saying to you. These these things that we read this morning are, are great accomplishments. I mean, I can't even pronounce some of the words that are on these papers that you guys... I'm trying to tell you great accomplishments. But here's what the Lord is telling you this morning. In my very best English, because I'm educated as well, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. God said, yeah, that was just a little thing I just did to, to show you what I can do. That was nothing. That was nothing. That was just a couple of free throws with my eyes closed. That was nothing. Wait till you see how I dunk from half court in your life. Come on. Wait till you see what I'm about to do. God is speaking to you this morning in this time of transition, in this time of reconnecting, in this time of refreshing, in this time of reestablishing yourself. He's speaking to you. And here's what He's saying. He's telling us four things this morning. First, He's telling you, I am not changing your location, I am changing your environment. I'm not changing your location, I'm changing your environment. Here's, here's what the Lord shared with me, here's what he means by that. Often we get into situations... And we feel like, well, I just need to get out of here. Maybe if I move to another place or if I, you know, leave this church because uh, I've been offended or I've offended someone. Or if I move on to, you know, that that I was in this relationship, but I'm going to forget about that relationship and go on to another relationship. Come on, that's how the world is today, especially in this country. Come on. You know, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move somewhere else where I can be prosperous. I'm going to leave this job and go to another job. I'm going to quit that and go do this. Sometimes we quit stuff too quickly. We're right on the edge of a breakthrough and we give up. I've tried and tried and tried. It hasn't come to pass, so I'm going to quit. But God is telling you this morning that, listen, I'm not necessarily changing your location. First of all, I'm going to change you where you are. And then I'm going to to begin to change your environment. Remember, he brings a river in a desert place. He's not going to take you out of the Sahara and take you to a tropical island. He doesn't need to do that. You know what God's going to do? He's going to make the tropical island come to you. He's going to begin to build it all around where you are. And everything that you've worked for, all that you've learned, all that you've been through, the tests and tests that you have passed were not for nothing because now God's about to bring all of that to fruition. All of that that you didn't see that was going on behind the scenes. He's about to make a river run through it. A river's going to run right through it. Making a river in a desert place. And God is a God of abundance. Remember, we talked about this. God is not a God of lack. He is not a God of a little bit. We don't serve the God of a little bit. We serve the God of more than enough. Come on, somebody. More than enough. More than enough, Adam. More than enough, David. You know, David, King David, Said I'll take the cup of salvation, and I love that to take a cup, a whole cup of salvation. Said I'll take all the whole cup. But then you look over in Jeremiah, Isaiah, and he said, I'll take a well of salvation. Take even more. God takes us from glory to glory. And you look over in Jeremiah. He said, I'll give you a fountain. A fountain of salvation. God goes from a cup to a well to a fountain. But he didn't stop there with the endless fountain. Because when Jesus was in the temple, he stood up before everybody on that great day of the feast. And he cried out and said, if anybody is thirsty, come to me and I'll give you a drink. And out of your belly will flow living waters. And it will be never-ending. God is a God of way too much. (laughs) More than enough. Come on. More than enough. It doesn't end. He'll give you an embarrassment of riches. (laughs) That's the God that you serve. And He's going to turn your knowledge into godly wisdom. what he's saying to you this morning because a lot of people are going to get degrees a lot of people are going to go to honor society not many but a few there'll be some that get two master's degrees come on but there won't be very many that'll have the wisdom of god to put on top of the knowledge that you gain and that's what god is going to give you and then god is telling you this secondly he's saying i am widening the lines of communication no, that's what he's saying. I'm widening the lines of communication between me and you. You see, Jesus is telling you that now that you have passed this test, there were times when I told you things in that test, and you weren't really sure. You were kind of like Gideon, you know, and you needed me to show you, and then you needed me to show you again before you believed me, and I went along with it. You were like Thomas who said, yeah, I have to see it right? You're from Mississippi. I got to see it to believe it, the show me state. And he said, I went along with it. But now you've passed that test. Now we're going to another level. And on this level that I'm taking you to, I'm going to need you to be in lockstep with me. And I'm going to anoint your ears so that you will hear and understand every word that I speak. And you're going to know you're going to know that it is my voice. Over in John 10, he said, my sheep, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know my voice. How many know? You know the voice of your father. I remember Dietrich and I went to a, a, a marriage retreat. And uh, at this marriage retreat some years ago, uh, they had different things they do. They do different games, you know, sort of the newlywed game and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, it was it was a good time. One of the games they had, though, uh, was kind of a I I thought it was kind of a dangerous game, you know. Before we played it, but uh, one of the games is what they would do is they would line your spouse up. So they would line all the spouses up in chairs. Uh, you know down there and then they would blindfold each of the husbands outside of the room so you wouldn't see how they were lined up or what position they were in brother carter and then you had to go in one by one you were blindfolded and you had to go along to each lady and they would disguise their voice and they would say something like hi how you doing you know and they would disguise their voice and you had to go along and pick out which one was your wife? I thought, now this is kind of a dangerous game. I don't know. I want to play this game. But I can tell you, without the shadow of a doubt, I was going along there. I said, oh, that don't that. And when it came to Dietrich, it was no doubt. I don't care how she disguised her voice. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that that was her voice. This is the place that Jesus is taking you to. No longer are you, there's still going to be confusion coming at you and all sorts of radio signals and people talking in your ear, professors, fellow students, parents, all kinds of people, you know, talking to you. But the Lord is telling you and he's telling you today that the level that I'm taking you to, you're going to know my voice and you're going to know it clearly. You're going to know that it's me that's speaking to you. Because this level, we're gonna ha- you're going to have to know every step. Go right. You're going to have to go left. Go left, then right. You're going to have to know. You're going to have to know this level that God has taken you to. He says, I am widening the lines of communication. He said, call on me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And then thirdly, he said, I am placing you in a position of boldness. Time is over to to, for us to be shrinking back. That time is done. We're going to a new place and a new level. We know who we are. We sing it, I know who I am. Well, if you know who you are, then you go with boldness wherever God sends you. Because it's not about see, here's the thing we're always worried about the result. If I go here and tell this person about Jesus, or if I go here into this class, am I going to get a C or am I going to get a B, it's a hard class, or whatever assignment it is, we're worried about the result. But God is saying to you this morning, don't worry about the result. The result belongs to me. What you need to worry about is obedience. That's it. All you need to do is obey me with boldness. And the result is the result. Whatever happens is what I wanted to happen anyway. That's what God is saying. He's already seen it. He's seen the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. All we need to do is obey him. I'm putting you in a position of boldness. Ephesians 6:19 says this. Says and for me that utterance may be given to me, Paul says, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He's saying, I'm going to open my mouth boldly. I'm going to be a bold person. Come on. Reminds me of a story. There's a story. I, was, I went to see my daughter graduate up in Boston. And as I was in the Boston Garden there and, and looking at there were 44,300 students that graduated. And it was just a ridiculous amount of people and... Uh, you know they had a speaker there who was the head of the EPA she had graduated from UMass and it was this very long ceremony and one of the things that I noticed during this ceremony is that no one prayed or no one blessed the graduates or anything like that I mean how naive of me you know being a Christian and a pastor and all of that to think that I would go into a place like that uh especially in Massachusetts uh but anyway, and, and you know, see, uh, you know, someone pray or, or actually bless or say, God bless you. And it reminded me of this story a man told when he went to graduation and uh, his daughter was graduating and he went there into graduation and all the graduates were were beautiful. They had on their maroon robes and their hats and the whole thing. But uh, it was told that they could not pray course you know you cannot pray you cannot make any references to God or Jesus or anything like that and uh, many of the graduates actually were Christians and so they were kind of distraught by this thing we can't even pray at our graduation And uh, so all the parents were there. They were proud. And, you know, all the students uh, uh, were there. And people came up and they gave speeches and they did this whole thing. And uh, so it was, you know, it was nice for what they did. uh, But, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of dead a little bit because, you know, they really were expecting some type of prayer or some type of blessing, you know, as they went on to the next phase of their life. Well, the valedictorian uh, was to give a speech. So she Came up uh, to the mic, and her speech lasted all of about three seconds. And uh, then the father realized that they had planned this. She came up to the mic and very loudly sneezed, "Achoo!" And all the students said, "God bless you." (laughs) And so they went away with a blessing anyway. (laughs) You have to be bold in the Lord. Be bold. Don't worry about the result. He's placing you in a position of boldness because he's empowered you. And then finally, he says, I am empowering you for good success. How many know Joshua 1.8, where he told Joshua, these words, come on, the words of this book should remain in your mouth that you should observe to do all that is written Therein, God is speaking to you this morning, that you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Good success. God wants you to have good success. How many know there's a difference in the types of successes that you can have? There's a good success and there's a bad success. I've heard too many stories. First of all, we, we relate success to money too often, which that can be part of it. But when you think about it, I've heard too many stories, folks, of people gaining money. Maybe they come into new money, or maybe they hit the lottery, or maybe their, uh, their business takes off. All right? Uh, they graduate from IUPUI with a 6.0 and they start their business in mechanical engineering, and it takes off, and they have $16 million by the end of their third year, and they're just successful. But all of a sudden, people start asking them for money. Their family's getting on their nerves. Then people are trying to break in their house, so they got to get a new security system. Then somebody figures out that security system, so you got to get a new security system. Maybe they find a girlfriend and get married. Their wife gets kidnapped because the person wants some money. I mean, on and on. Who knows? I don't call that good success. To me, that's bad success. But the success God gives you, he, gives, he offers some protection with it. And I don't mean the mafia kind of protection now. But I'm talking about he puts a hedge around you. Come on. That's good success. We look at success success all wrong. Reminds me of a story. (laughs) There was this American businessman. American businessman was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village. Listen to this, you guys. When a boat with just one fisherman docked there. Now, inside the small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, Only a little while. The American then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. Well, the Mexican said he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. Then the American then asked, But what do you do with the rest of your time? So the Mexican fisherman said, Well, I sleep late, I fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, Maria, stroll into the village each evening to relax, and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. Well, the American scoffed. (laughs) Well, I'm a Harvard MBA and could help you if you'd like me to. You should spend more time fishing, And with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. You could buy several boats even. And eventually, you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the processor. Eventually, opening your own cannery. Boy, this guy's got big ideas. He said you would control the product. Processing and distribution. You control all of that. You would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City. Then L.A. and eventually New York City where you will run your expanding enterprise. This was big time. The Mex- Mexican fisherman asked, but senor, how long will all that take? To which the American replied, 15 to 20 years. You can do it, 15 to 20 years. But what then, senor? The American laughed and said, well, that's the best part of it. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. He said, millions. Millions, senor. Then what? He said, oh, then the best part of all He said, then you would retire, move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you can relax and play guitar with your amigos. (laughs) Sometimes I think we have things a little backwards. I think the young Mexican man had it right, amen? What is good success? What is good success? God is speaking a word to us this morning. He's opened a door. He's empowered us. He's given us his word. He's given us his protection. And now it is time to step through that door. It is time to jump off the edge. We talked about engaging deep water. We talked about growing, how God's empowered us to grow. And guess what? God has told you this morning that you have passed the test. It's time to move on. Forgetting those things that are behind you. Pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Finally, what does that mean for you? Does it mean that what you've accomplished so far means nothing? Of course not. Does it mean that you shall never, ever remember what you've accomplished? Of course not. It means set your diploma up on the mantle. Be proud of what God's taken you through. But don't rest on your laurels. Don't look back. Objects in the mirror may be closer than they really appear. So instead of looking in the mirror, look through the windshield. How many know the windshield is a lot bigger than that little small mirror over there? What God has before you is so much grander than what he's brought you through. Look forward and not back. Amen.